Kyle Larson did it again. We'll talk about his dominant Knoxville Nationals win and his insane versatility, plus lots of other notes from the weekend, including some driver news, a track needing a promoter, and Bobby Pierce winning again. Let's go. It's Sunday, August 13th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. Back on Friday, I got the Dirt Tracker logo hats back in stock, just like the one I'm wearing on the screen right now. Uh, They are the dark gray flex uh, flex fits with the black logo. I do have both sizes. I have the large, extra large, and the small mediums available. Uh, You can get one now over at shop.dirttracker.com with free shipping in the US. You can also grab a sticker, shirt, or koozie with your order as well. Uh, these never seem to last very long, so don't wait around if you want one. I've actually already sold quite a few uh, before the, I did the show today. Uh, a bunch of stuff to talk about from the last few days. We'll go heavy on the Knoxville Nationals to start out. Kyle Larson, uh, a dominating win from the pole, leading all 50 laps on the night. It was Larson's second career Knoxville National score, and just the second time since the race was lengthened that the winner went flag to flag. Uh, the other time that happened was Donnie Schatz in 2015. Over the last several seasons, I think we've run out of nice things to say about what Kyle Larson can do behind the wheel of a race car, but I feel like the thing I keep going back to that I'm most impressed with is just his versatility. I don't know anybody uh, on earth that can hop around car types and track surfaces with so much ease as he can. Think about the last week. He went from finishing top five in the cup race at uh, Michigan on Monday to Oskaloosa that night where he started sixth in the front row challenge. Who knows where he might have finished had they not had mechanical troubles. Thursday in Knoxville, he had a hellacious 7th to the lead run in his heat race, uh, finished 2nd in the Knoxville prelim feature. Saturday, he's at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and ends up 2nd in the practice uh, on the road course with a cup car, qualifies 6th for the race. Then he hops a plane back to Knoxville where he promptly dominates the biggest sprint car race on the planet. And then today, right back to, uh, to Indy for the 200 miler of left and right turns, and then on top of all of this, announced his paint scheme for the Indy 500 next year. I think it's one thing to go attempt to do what we see Larson do. Uh, We've seen guys do that a lot, but Larson is just on a completely different level with the amount of success he's able to have. I feel like I'm going to make a comparison here kind of to a different sport. If you're a baseball fan, you'll understand this, but it feels like Shohei Otani with the Angels. He gets compared to the best hitters and compared to the best pitchers, and he's the only guy that can do both. Larson uh, is getting talked about this morning among the uh, best to ever drive a sprint car, and then later today we'll be wheeling a stock car on a road course, and he's one of the best over there too. Uh, After today, he'll have a quiet Monday, then be right back in the sprint car come Tuesday for the High Limit Show at Husitz. It's absolutely unbelievable what he is able to do. Behind Larson's uh, win, David Gravel charged from 22nd to 2nd after needing a hard knocks Friday night transfer. He probably needed a caution or maybe a few more laps to really try and challenge the 57 out front. Gravel did appear to dodge a bullet, though, in that feature as he did hit the restart cone late in the race and was not penalized for it. I'm not really sure why. Uh, Donnie Schatz ended up third after starting third and running up front the whole feature. Now, some other notes from that main event. It was a nice top five run for Gio Selzy. He was impressive. Brad Sweet went 16th to to sixth. Sheldon Hoddenshield had a 10 position charge. And Logan Schuhart looked like he may have uh, had a chance to challenge for the win at one point, but his night went south with 10 to go when his engine let go. I believe that was their second expired power plant of the week. The other contender who had issues was Rico Abreu. He had a flat right rear under a caution, had to make a trip to the work area. He looked fast early on, but finished seventh after restarting at the tail. 
Enrico wasn't the only victim of tire issues this week. I feel like there were a lot of them, uh, and some led to some pretty significant crashes. Brad Sweet on his prelim night destroyed a car. James McFadden had one go down in the Saturday B-Main that took him out of what would have easily been a feature transfer, plus Chase Randall and several others. It was a tough week to be a uh, Hoosier rear tire for some reason. There were some ugly crashes on Saturday, too, especially early in the night. Cody Island went for a big tumble at the start of the E-Main. He was transported to a local hospital with what was reported as a leg injury. Matt Covington was also transported after a flip in the D-Main, but it sounds like no real issues for him, just some soreness ahead. That's certainly better news. Uh, Other than that, I thought it was a good week of racing. Knoxville was absolutely packed. I can't even imagine what the atmosphere was like there. Uh, There were plenty of great battles on the racetrack, and as always, the cream rises to the top. I know there are some fans and competitors that continue to not be happy about the format with some of these big shows, and you're talking about the inverts. I spoke with one uh, pretty top-level sprint car crew chief who was frustrated with how the week went. His point was the inverts are fine, but the problem is the cars now are just so equal that it's hard to move forward in some of these heats. And that makes sense when you realize that everybody basically can have the same parts and pieces these days. I'm not sure how you solve it. Looking ahead, things will stay busy for the sprint car world. Uh, High Limit uh, hits Houston's on Tuesday, and then the Outlaws go to uh, Jackson next weekend for the Jackson Nationals. Drop your comments below on uh, Larson's win, what you thought of the week, and anything else on your mind from the Knoxville Nationals. A couple of other sprint car news items for you. Sounds like uh, we could see Tyler Courtney back in the Clawson Marshall 7BC as early as next weekend. The All-Stars are at Outlaw Motor Speedway on Friday, and Sunshine hopes to be in the car. He said he feels good, and the doctors are good with his progress. If that's true, then Anthony Macri will be looking for other opportunities outside of his uh, high-limit ride with Bernie and the Indy Race Parts 71. And in Pennsylvania, Zemco Racing announced on Friday that Hunter Schoenberg will replace Logan Wagner in the 1Z in the upcoming races at Port Royal, including the Tuscarora 50 with the All-Stars. Wagner uh, has moved over to the Don Kreit 69K, replacing Lance DeWeese after Lance was let go. Schoenberg was a Knoxville Nationals feature starter, but was out early and ended up 24th. I did not see or hear uh, what their issue was on the night. Uh, For my late model fans out there at Florence Speedway last night, the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series was in action for the North-South $175,000 to the winner, and we had one hell of a race down the stretch. Five lead changes among four drivers, and basically the top three guys in the sport battling it out all the way to the end. Hudson O'Neill ended up leading the most laps, but he finished third behind winner Bobby Pierce and a hard-charging Ricky Thornton Jr. RTJ actually got to the front on a restart with 13 to go, but Pierce had the elbows out and was able to get back on top just a few circuits later, and he drove on to the win. Uh, Pierce had two Lucas wins entering the weekend, then won both his prelim features Thursday and Friday and the big money on Saturday. Definitely think he's moved to the top right now. I know some sites are under, obviously, is the big one where they do the top 25, and Pierce just seems like the top guy right now. RTJ, though, not far behind. Definitely a very much 1B. The 20RT team did need a provisional to start the main event after issues uh, on their first prelim night and then just missing out on a B-main transfer on Saturday. As for the battle for that final locked-in spot for the Lucas Chase, Brandon Overton still has it, but Tim McCready and Devin Moran are now much closer. McCready only trails Overton by 15 points, and Moran is only another 65 back after Overton finished 15th last night. That Wells team definitely has some work to do headed to the topless 100 this week. Winning the Lucas title this season means doing well at Eldora at the finale. And Overton would obviously be high on the list of favorites there. But it's all for naught if he can't hold on to the final spot. Topless 100 starts Friday at Batesville. Uh, Before we close out today, the future of Lawrenceburg Speedway is in doubt after the current promoters announced back on Thursday night that uh, they would be retiring from that role following this season. 
Dave and Kim Rudisell have been operating the track since 2007 and are calling it a career. The town of Lawrenceburg, though, does hope to find a replacement for the future. The mayor told Local 12 News they do want to keep it going. Besides a weekly program, the Berg is home to national stops for the World of Outlaws Sprint Cars, USAC Sprint Cars, and USAC Midgets. Uh, that's it for the show today. There's still some racing happening around the country tonight, so make sure to check out the streaming schedule over at dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. Hope you guys have a good Sunday out there. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. 